The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. For this retreat, And the evenings have a little different feeling to me than the mornings do, partly because we don't have quite as much opportunity for sharing because of the two talks during the week. So I'd like to hear from you again this evening and see what you've been noticing, whether you have any questions, whether you have any um, concern about or thoughts about continuing this practice. I'm curious whether you're interested in continuing the practice. So just, yeah, Diana. Just a quick, can we just keep doing this? You can come every morning. I'd like to echo what Victor said. I really enjoyed being here every morning, every evening. It's a treat. So I don't know if Bill is here, but I mean, this morning he reported that he became more mindful of his death. So that hasn't happened for me at all. But instead, what has happened, which for me it feels more impactful, is my um, attitude towards practice in general has shifted. So I, I'm not necessarily more mindful, but I feel a little bit more um, excited, invigorated, curious about my just my practice in general, all different aspects of it. And I think that's great, actually. So thank you. Well, curiosity and interest are great qualities. I'm very happy that they have been inspired in you this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, if you can have that approach to your practice in daily life and on the cushion, I think you'll find it has a lot um, lighter feel to it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you can pick things. Actually, this is one of the things I was thinking about, talking about for moving into the, the coming weeks. You know, if you're if you're interested in continuing this practice, pick something you're really interested in understanding as a thing to wake up for. So that use that curiosity, allow it to inform the practice. It's actually a skillful quality that comes along with the practice. So thank you. I'm happy. I'm happy for that. Yeah, I am too. Thank you. <laughs> Would somebody push the um, button down one degree on the uh, air conditioner? So my long project is uh, a little longer than your official thing, but it's what's up for me. This is the my my lectures, trying to be mindful so that I don't get in, contorted into all sorts of bizarre ergonomics that then I pay for. And I've been struggling on this for years, right? But I, I did something this week that I'm really excited about. So I, I, have, um, I was kind of tinkering with the setup. I, I sit in front of an overhead projector, 
and so I, I dragged the chair that I sit into the, my conference, my, my office. I had like 10, 15 minutes ahead of time and just sort of sat there and kind of role-played it, you know, just without the distraction of having to keep my mind on the subject and the students and everything, but just kind of went through the motions and what happens when I do this and what happens when I go over there and just sort of got that into my... Um, my mindful awareness, I guess. Uh-huh, okay. And then during lecture, I, um, what did you call it, spontaneous mindfulness? Unprompted. Unprompted, okay. That. <laughs> had Spontaneous is another word I've used for it. <laughs> happened like four times during the lecture, which is like three times more than it usually happens. So <laughs> this was really cool. I was I was very pleased with that. And I also had made some changes to the setup and so that may I think that may actually be a tool in that things weren't exactly where they usually were and that I think would wake me up a little uh, bit. Yes, uh-huh. As well. So but you think the role playing beforehand helped also? I think it did because I I had this experience before. I I did something bad to my my thumbs using my trackball and I and cuz I can't rem- be mindful of the trackball if I'm focusing on the computer. So I s- invested like 20 minutes of I just put something I didn't care about up on the screen and just spent 20 minutes kind of okay, what happens when I do this? Okay. Now let's pretend I'm up here and do that. And just kind of kept repeating that and got all kinds of insights that then carried over. Mm-hmm. I, I was able to be more mindful. So I, I think that's that as a, pa- as a method is uh-huh. helpful. That's great. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so you've learned a new technique to I help I learned you a new yeah. technique. And, you know, this, I really love to encourage creativity in these Householder retreats, because and that's that's what exactly what you did. It's like, okay, what can I do here to help me during my presentation? So that's wonderful. Thank you. Debbie, behind you. So I've been pretty challenged with uh, energy issues the last few years, though it's getting gradually better. And these retreats have been real benchmarks for me because the first one I did a couple years ago, I think I made it to three of the meetings, and you know that was like dragging myself here. And then with this one, I've been able to make it every time except one morning. And today I was really astounded at, I mean, when I had to lay down and take naps, I did that. Um, but even as I, and I do meditate when I'm, when I lay down, so I get a two for one, I rest my body and <laughs> I just do the meditation. And I did notice that I was planning today, but it was like, I was planning on, well, how can I do this and still make it tonight? And I was just so thrilled at the things that I got done. And, you know, typically it's just so hard for me to get up early in the morning and, but it set a good pattern for doing it so that even if I get up and have to go home and take a nap, but then I'm up and I'm doing my day. And so it's just very encouraging to just be feeling better and to, and to recognize that I have more energy and just being glad for that. Do you um, have any sense of the practice supporting the energy? Absolutely. <laughs> so say something about that. Uh, 
I don't know how to put that to words. I have to think about it. Say the question again. Um, well, it was to say something about how the practice supports the energy. Well, I, I notice how sometimes, well, at, I'm at the stage where my brain is better than my body. So this, this week I was noticing how I think my brain was speeding ahead, but it was like, but my body just didn't have the energy to do what my brain wants, wanted to get done. So there was that, oh, just the mindfulness really helped and just slow down a little bit. It's similar to the instructions in the walking meditation is mm-hmm. find the pace that works for you. Yes. So even just, putting clothes on a hanger when I'm rushing to get here. It's like, just slow down a little bit. And that did help. Okay, so it sounds like the, the using the mindfulness to come up with that pace of body-mind comfort supports the ability for you to continue um, being a little more, having a little more energy so you don't wear yourself out. Right, because I think when my mind gets going on things that it wants to do, <clears throat> and, but my body's not ready to be there, I can feel it's like uh, when you rev the engine in your car and you kind of like burn some rubber, <laughs> but you don't really go anywhere. <laughs> so it was like, no, just put my foot lightly on the gas pedal and just putter along, and that's better than this revving that goes on. So. The other piece that you point out, um, you know, that revving that goes on in our minds, it's, a, it's amazing to me, actually, how much energy thought consumes. So that might be something you could explore a little bit, too. Um, if, you, if you let go of the thoughts um, more and more through your day, does it allow for more energy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've found to my amazingly amazing stunned experience on retreat you know you you don't think a lot on retreat you know it's just you know you're just present you're moving around and doing your stuff and being mindful and when I'm a computer when I was a computer programmer I needed nine hours of sleep a night pretty regularly and um and I just assumed, well, I'm a nine-hour-a-night sleeper. And people would talk about going on retreats and sleeping, you know, five hours a night, six hours a night. And I'd think, oh, that'll never happen to me. Four and a half hours I could get down to on some retreats. Five is, is more comfortable, but, um, uh, you know, four hours of sleep for thought. Four hours of sleep for a day of thinking. <laughs> it's a lot of energy our thoughts consume. So, uh, yeah, it is like burning rubber. So the noticing that, noticing that the thoughts are spinning. Okay, do I need to have those thoughts spinning? And just coming back. It will help to conserve your energy. <laughs> Thank you, Debbie. Okay. Um, interestingly enough, I'm going to be in a really kind of weird truck driver part of me that I'm going to actually take a car and drive it across country, and I'm going to start a new job, although I'm not relocating. But I'm going to train in Chicago and visit my family in the East Coast. Some of my, friend, my friends say, are you crazy? Why don't you just fly to all these different places? But I'm doing what I'm doing. It's a free car. It's one of these driveways. 
Oh. They still have that. Anyway, my two projects are drink liquids, which I'll do in the car, and sing. Uh -huh. and I will do thousands of scales. <laughs> I, I have a goal. I don't think I'll reach it, but uh -huh. it's a wonderful opportunity for me to practice these. It is. It is a wonderful opportunity. You'll have a lot of time in the car, and you might also want to um, you know, open it up to beyond those things as well, maybe which I'm sure it will, will yeah, happen. Yeah, maybe something else. Yeah, something else. Uh, that'd be good, just kind of open to what maybe another little task might be to be mindful. Well, I, you know what I'd suggest you really take an interest in is that moment, those spontaneous moments. The spontaneous okay. moments when you wake up to a beautiful vista that you're driving through oh, or, sure. you know, just, okay. uh, and, and then um, lingering mm -hmm. in those. So, yeah. Okay. Thanks. Somebody, somebody you haven't heard from. If you get the mic and you do not want to speak, you can pass it along. This is not a forcing thing, but... <laughs> What I was thinking is, um, you know, I, I would have liked to come to more of the sessions, but anyway, um, this was what I could do. Um, also, I did have a revelation. I was, I was doing my uh, day of rest today, and a lot of times when I'm doing it, I'm like, I'm like reading and listening to the Dharma all day long. That's what I'm doing. Um, and so that I started feeling uh, a little bit of guilt. I think about guilt, and he goes, <clears throat> he goes my, my name stands for guilt. <laughs> he goes, they call me guilt, stands for guilt. <laughs> I, was, I was feeling like really bad, like I was feeling like I'm so, I mean, I kind of know that I feel like I'm really spoiled because I like live so close to the IMC and I'm not, you know, I'm not doing more, you know. And so this is really strange. But the book, I've been reading so many books and there's a few books that have profoundly affected me, but the ones that relate to this group, the ones that have really affected me the most and, and maybe in some way saved my life are two different books written that I relate to the most by people in prison. And, um, and you know, I've, I felt like I've been in prison my whole life, and so I really feel like I relate to these prisoners. And, um, and I like to go into prison, too. I really like to go in and um, work with prisoners. So I haven't been feeling really i mean i've been do, working on a lot of things in my life right now that are very intensive and a very huge intensive crisis and um it's very exciting and so i haven't really been going on retreats i mean leaving but after reading this book and you know breaking down several times in tears reading the letters from the prisoners about how they are so 
desperate to get together and practice. And it means so much to them to practice. And it means so much to them to have the books and to be able to have place to meditate and how much being on a retreat for the first time and being supported and how they're you know around people that are are still suffering and how hard it is for them to practice in that environment it's just like it really inspired me i feel more inspired by these prisoners than than regular other people and so i'm i'm feeling like much more strongly motivated to go on a retreat Mm. Uh, I've been really motivated by the people in prison. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You get to pass it to somebody else. I I, I have a question that's coming up about um, um, it just. Um, Perhaps it's just body sensations that happen during meditation. Um, particularly, I think it comes a lot when I do the body scan. And from time to time, it might also happen while sitting. Um, I sort of the experience, sometimes when I do the body scan, I'm lying down. And I have this literal sense of being paralyzed. The sense... So I feel like it's really almost impossible to move. However, I know that I can, and that if mm-hmm. as soon as I break, as soon as I make a movement, I will come out of the state I'm in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my mind is very at peace. I'm, I'm just fully present. You know, there's a lot of spaciousness happening. Um, and so I, I just wonder what kind of state is this. Um, I was just getting curious about it. Um, I had this episode a couple of days ago when I was um, meditating, and then I, this is the body scan, and I'm just fully present to the body, just very heavy. I'm very aware of just the structure of the body, and. Um, but it feels very heavy and very relaxed at the same time. But somehow I got in touch with the breath. Mm-hmm. Now, when I noticed the breath, I felt that it had slowed down so much. It was frighteningly slowed. And I, and I came out of it very abruptly and with almost this fear of dying. And so I, I just wanted to mention that um, in a way to process it in case it happens again. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I feel like I've, it would be nice to have some sort of resources so that I don't feel so frightened mm-hmm. if that happens again. Mm-hmm. So um, it sounds like you have the two questions, the one about feeling paralyzed and the other about the breath getting very slowed down. Right, right. Um, so these are both experiences that can happen on as you as the body gets more settled and the uh, the mind gets more concentrated. The uh, the paralyzed one. I'm not exactly sure 
what that is. Although, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do an exercise with you guys right now so that you'll, this might touch into it and you can tell me whether it does or not. Um, so I'd like you to put your attention in your hand. Just feel your hand. What you feel there. Tingling. Vibration. Pulsing. Moisture. Pressure. Whatever you feel on the the palm of your hand, on the back of your hand. You might feel stiffness or aching. Now I'd like you to make a fist with your hand, as tight as you can. And notice what sensations you notice now. Unpleasant, probably. There's some probably unpleasant experience. The uh, perhaps nails digging against your palm, so a burning, pressure, tension, aching, hardness, tightness, heat. Hold it, keep holding it for a little while, keeping that tension going. Now I'd like you to relax the tension, but keep the fist. So just let the tension go. And notice what you experience now in your hand, throbbing, pulsing, stiffness, aching, moisture. And now, as slowly as you can, as slowly as you can, start to open your hand. And what's the experience now? Stiffness, resistance, creaking, popping. Stiffness. Now open it quickly so you can move it. So as the mind gets more close, I mean, this this intensified the experience, but um, most of you probably noticed it very hard to actually open the hand. It's almost like the hand is paralyzed into that position. Um, And partly, I mean, partly it's like the, the, the movement the the mind gets so attuned to movement, I mean, like I can I can actually get into it right now if I just try to move very slowly, 
it's like I feel this incredible stiffness that the 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 body just you you tune into the stiffness quality of the body as you get more present and if you're holding yourself still that stiffness is kind of intensified and so it sounds like you are kind of keying into that stiffness quality and you know that you could just move but if you tried to move slowly you'd probably feel that strong resistance like you did trying to open your hand and it's a manifestation of the awareness and the um, the stiffness of the body <laughs> the, the you know just the, that quality in the body so sometimes when we meditate our minds kind of highlight particular qualities like i've had i've had times where i just turned into ice and i was just freezing so that it's like the quality of cold took over the experience and this sounds like a kind of a quality of stiffness taking over so that's that's what you kind of keyed into is that quality of stiffness in the body so that's may or may not be i'm not sure but that's kind of my understanding i've 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 had experiences like that as well in meditation where it feels like the body gets paralyzed like that um but it doesn't really get paralyzed so but this this is how i understand it did that feeling resonate with you with the kind of stiff or, or yeah there was a glimpse of it there's certainly you know um the feeling of it there is a, a deep sense of relaxation and a you know sort of uh uh spaciousness spaciousness that happened and i know that as soon as i move it will disappear yes yes um but i did i did you know there was uh, uh um a recognition in my, my mind that yeah i think that's it that's, that's, that's part of yes part of the experience uh-huh okay yeah so with the breathing as we pay attention to our breathing as we're mindful of our breathing it actually tends to get more and more you called it um slow and it gets kind of shallow yes so it's just like a little brief mm-hmm. you know it's like the smallest little movement at the the diaphragm it's 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 tiny and then there can be long gaps between the breathing um the body when it gets into concentration just doesn't seem to need as much air and i hear reports i've not attained this particular state but i hear reports that at certain levels of concentration or certain depths of concentration the actual in and out breathing stops for a period so it's a normal thing and the uh the fear is also uh, not surprising you know the first times you run into that it's kind of like oh, i'm not breathing you know and, and and there's the the idea that we need to breathe so you know we kind of panic and then that makes us need to breathe because we've panicked um but the body and metabolism slows down with concentration 
So you can pretty much trust it. You can trust the, um, the level of breathing. And notice, you know, when the body gets that relaxed too, it just doesn't need as much. It's like it, it uses what it gets so efficiently. So if, I, if just that piece of knowing that it happens can help ease your uh, concern about it, you know, it, it can feel a little odd, but it's not, it's not anything to worry about. It's, it definitely happens, and it usually is an indication of concentration, that the mind is getting concentrated. usually happens when you pay attention to the breathing. And the breathing, it's an interesting thing to pay attention to. Many things, when we pay attention to them, it, it, uh, it emphasizes them, it makes them stronger. With the breathing, the more we pay attention to the breathing, the more subtle it becomes. The more shallow, the more light. Um, and it's in, in one of the commentarial texts, meditation texts on the um, Buddhist meditation, it actually highlights this as being a reason why this is such a good object. Or maybe that's my own understanding. I can't remember whether it says that or not. But in any way, it does mention that it does mention that the breathing gets more and more uh, hard to discern the more you bring mindfulness to it, which makes it an ideal object for meditation for mindfulness. Because the as you pay attention to it with mindfulness, it gets more subtle, which means that the mindfulness needs to get more subtle. So it, it, in, it strengthens the mindfulness and then the breathing gets more subtle and then the mindfulness has to get more subtle. So it, it draws down the uh, mindfulness. The, 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 the act of paying attention to the breathing is an ideal object for cultivating that kind of very fine mindfulness because the thing you're paying attention to keeps getting more and more and more subtle. So it's it's a normal thing. Yeah, I I think I it's helpful to hear that I can trust that I be I'll be supported, you know, and that I I, I think there was just a, a just very automatic fear of dying mm-hmm. that it it felt <laughs> and it was very abrupt how I came out of it. Um, but I, what I have also noticed about the breathing is that it is becoming a barometer in a way for um, my own state in that sometimes I'm under circumstances where I'm, f- where I'm, I'm not aware that I'm anxious, but when um, there is a spontaneous awareness that my breathing has gotten faster and shallower, uh-huh. and then I realize, aha, uh-huh, I am anxious. And that's, you know, without any other awareness. It's just like I am certainly feeling anxious, most likely, but I just haven't, um, haven't registered that mentally. Yes. I haven't been aware of it. Uh, yet, you know, it's, then I start to notice, and then that is a signal for me, aha, uh-huh. I'm so, anxious. So um, it, is, it is a very skillful um, monitor for us to tune into our breathing. And I'd like to just um, suggest that you check in first. So you notice, you notice the breathing is changed. And then as opposed to just thinking, oh, I'm anxious, open up your awareness to the 
fullness of your experience and say, what else is happening? Because it may be something other than anxiousness. You know, I think it's interesting that you bring that up because I, um, I have, um, there is, I have had moments where I am actually feeling um, very calm, but I tune into the breathing and I just notice the quality of faster um, breathing um, and sometimes shallow or sometimes deeper and faster, but, but that that is becoming my uh, anchor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so it's been in some way amazing to notice that and to uh, perhaps be under a stressful situation and but still at the same time be relaxed as my mind is just sharply focused on the breathing. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. that the quality has changed, the rate and the depth of it has changed. Yes. Um, and that this is, is a situation that might... Um, that that could um, cause some stress. Yes. Right. And uh, but you're not necessarily feeling the stress. The stress. Yes. Yeah. But yes. that I'm noticing the, how the quality of my breath changed, and that that is a, just an indication of what is happening. Yet there's the awareness of feeling calm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's that's wonderful that you're noticing that because uh, sometimes you know you might have that assumption. Oh, I'm breathing quickly, therefore I'm anxious. And then you would create anxiety because, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I must be anxious. And then it's like our thoughts make us anxious. <laughs> so, so I'm glad you're actually checking in to, oh, I'm actually calm. This could be a situation that would make me feel anxious. So mm-hmm. it, it may simply be a habitual physical response to the situation that your mind is not really reacting to, but that the body is reacting to. Mm-hmm. You know, we, can, we can end up with habitual physical responses that trigger emotional responses, even if we're not feeling them, you know, even, mm-hmm. if if, if, even if they're not really there. So um, yeah, that's, that's just my suggestion, you know, just kind mm-hmm. of don't assume, don't assume an emotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like you weren't, so... Mm-hmm. Thank you, Nina. Thanks. Is anybody interested in sharing, or will Nina have to pass the mic? <laughs> Go ahead. Um, the uh, the other night when I was here, when we did the um, the trail mix exercise, uh, you know, I've done that before, but um, and but this time it was it led to. Um, well, it seemed trivial to me because I've done this before. It just, you know, and then it led to a massive revelation for me. What was the revelation? Well, I don't know if I want to get into it because it was, it was, it was, it was, it was personal okay. about my okay. uh, uh-huh. my history that I'm trying to clear up, uh-huh. uh, okay, uh, heal. But um, um. Because I shared about that, and then I woke up and I realized something really deep about it. Mm. About, because I shared about how, oh, it was very enjoyable being mindless instead of mindful. Mm. And so then I realized, um, you know, that that's a defense for me, so I don't have to feel pain. Mm. 
Thank mm. you. Thank you. I'm so appreciative of just this week. You know, I'm sort of like Victor. I wish we could do this continually. <laughs> um, you know, every day was really very different in my life. My health was different each day, and the things that I did each day were different. But the exercise, the, the exercises of paying attention to the same things each day gave continuity. And I, I appreciated that. And I really appreciated, too, at the beginning of setting the intention to do this. Mm. And um, the night that you gave the instructions about waking up in the morning, I set that intention before I went to bed. And I did that. And, you know, it, it's just interesting. I, I saw during the week that um, if I started adding more intentions to my day and I was tired, it was harder to track. Mm -hmm. So to keep it simple. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of awareness, um, especially in the tasks, the repetitive tasks during the day. And, and I found that often the experience of mindfulness, I don't know, there's not a word I can put for it, but I'm gonna use joy. There's just like an open sort of spaciousness that was there. Um, and I felt that a lot in the physical things. What I didn't find it in is one day I had to write a talk. And I saw that um, my mind was doing thinking, 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 trying to come up with the talk. And at one point I just said, well, why don't you just sit? You know, stop the mind, pay attention, just, you know, and sit. And then the talk came. Mm, mm. You know, um, and so that was really very sweet. And so I've been doing that a little bit other days, like email comes, and rather than just doing a automatic response, I've just been saying, okay, let's take a few breaths here, let's do this. Um, and one of my tasks is on and off. So I use my phone sometimes to do email and so there's the on and off always of the phone. So that sort of helps me slow down and not be on automatic pilot. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yesterday I had to do another mini talk. And I got caught in the same kind of wanting to create, wanting it to be good, yada, yada, yada. And I did sit. And it didn't work. <laughs> so there was the wanting mind that wants now that every time I sit, that the talk is going to come very um, But it was very interesting because I really could see the power of the mind to create tension. And that when the tension was there, the distractions were there, and how much I wasn't paying attention Yes. to the yeah. other things. That even the, the, the simple tasks during the day, when I was trying to think of something I was writing, I wasn't even thinking about the other things. Yes. And so it can become very um, addictive, is that the word? Or very absorbed in the thinking. Um, and I know that that's true when you sit in the cushion, but I never thought about it in all the other things I do every day in my life. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that same quality of absorption into our worlds happens. I mean, what we see in our meditation is really just a snapshot of what happens in our, in our day. So yeah, we get, you know, 
create whole worlds and live in them. And well, you know, one of the things that um, was sort of, I don't know what the word is, um, the creative process, you know, sitting down to write or sitting to do collage or to create something, is a, I, I, the process that I've been doing for so long is not a mindfulness practice in a way. It's more an absorption process into the task that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was paying attention to that because I noticed that it wasn't all a spacious kind of where the creativity bottles that comes up, that quite a bit of it is an intense clinging in the mind mm-hmm. as well as that other. Um, and I was thinking about, well, how do I really bring mindfulness to the creative process. I mean, I know I could sit before I write, and that helps. Mm-hmm. But it's in the middle of the process itself. Um, and so that's a question that I just go forward with, maybe to explore. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. That. A good one to explore. And there are times in certain kinds of creativity, you know, certain kinds of creativity that absorption is appropriate. Um, but I think that. Being mindful, I mean, depending on how you do it. I mean, if you're, if you're prompting mindfulness, it will probably get in the way of the creative process. If you're trying to be mindful, it, will probably, it, it may block that kind of more spontaneous process. But what I find is that as the, the mind settles into um, you know, the deeper regions, like you found with your talk, you know, you, you just settle and it's like something appears. I find that happens a lot, you know, that things will just coalesce and create in a space, even if I'm not trying to do it, it just happens. So that the, um, the practice of mindfulness and to some extent concentration that just the settling of the mind, letting go of the surface chatter, opens us up to the regions of the mind that are more creative. So being mindful while being creative, I don't know, it's an interesting koan. You know, it's an interesting question. You know, I, uh, I would play more with that spontaneous arising of mindfulness while creativity is happening. And just like, oh, here I am, and I'm choosing to do this right now, you know, to, to, to kind of play that edge, that might be a, a kind of a doorway into exploring that and to see whether it, it, is a, it makes sense or not for, you know, for different kinds of creativity. I know that when I was a computer programmer, that's a form of creativity, but it required absorption. You know, it really required, it, it's like building a mantra in the mind, you know, it's building a city, keeping everything in its place and knowing the what is in every room and every building and every street and the street address and everything. It's like just the mind having to keep that all in place. And that's building a mandala, basically. So it's concentration. So certain tasks do require that. And um, I don't know, it doesn't sound like making a collage would require that kind of concentration but it might require a letting go of a way that you familiarly do it to explore, you know, to, to, to be open to something risky in that process. And I think that itself is a kind of a way to 
explore the edges of creativity. Lauren. So there have been a few things. Um, I came here on Tuesday and Wednesday night. And um, on both Tuesday and Wednesday night, in, as I was sleeping in the middle of the night, I woke up um, after having had these dreams of um, really very strong sort of love and support from the Sangha. Mm. And they were dreams of being here, although it didn't always look like here. And there were dreams, I, I, I can't remember the content, but I just sort of woke up into this really just wonderful feeling. And it was, there was just so much happiness and so much connection to being here and practicing here and practicing with, I felt a really deep connection to this group of people somehow, mm. even though I wasn't here that much. Um, I've felt as though I've been somehow this retreat has felt different than last ones than other ones. I've felt as though I've been constructing my retreat a little bit more than simply receiving and following instructions. Um, I haven't been such a um, slave to the instructions to the small, <laughs> you know, as I have in the past, and I haven't been so concerned with those specific tasks that I chose. Oh, man, I forgot to do this. I forgot to do that. Instead, there's been a whole lot more fluidity of the mindfulness. There's been a lot more kind of gentle spreading of the mindfulness into areas that I wouldn't have expected. Mm. And there's a, um, a resolve that I use quite a lot in meditation when I'm I notice my mind sort of starting to leap onto something and wanting to, to hold onto it, which is, um, may the mind be open to surprises. Mm. And I've been using that in my daily life as well, especially this week. It's like, well, I don't know what I'm going to be mindful of, so don't worry about doing the specific tasks that I thought I had assigned myself and see what comes up. So it hasn't felt as... Um, instruction based mm-hmm. somehow mm-hmm. it's it's felt much more much lighter mm-hmm. um, and that's and that's been that's been really nice it just it feels much more like um, it's just really coming out of the experience instead of coming out of something that I'm trying to make happen right right and you know this is what happens as you get more practiced I mean when you do sitting meditation I mean, the instructions are kind of clear, but once you get familiar with it, you let go of the instructions and you just do the practice. And I've given instructions to kind of bootstrap things. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get things going here. (laughs) Because it's hard. It's really hard to be mindful in daily life. And so, you know, the instructions seem to be working. And I see that those of you who have done this retreat multiple times are experiencing more mindfulness in your daily lives and are understanding how to engage in your own way. And that's what this is about, not following the instructions. (laughs) That's where we're going. I mean, the the instructions I've given are really, they're exercises, they're 
they're, they're like training wheels, you know. Let's, okay. We got to prompt the mindfulness at the beginning. So I'm happy. That's great. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> Don't follow the instructions. <laughs> Did you want to say something, Mike? Uh-huh. I found the instructions useful more at the beginning of the week because they gave me an excuse to investigate something that I wanted to investigate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what was that? Are you willing to share that? Oh, this was, well, something relatively minor. It was um, for my small repeating thing throughout the day was um, uh, if I wanted to get something to drink to, to just sort of stop and check in, was I really thirsty? Was there, you know, what was my motivation? What was going on? And so just... So instead of saying, oh, you know, I come into work and so therefore I must make a cup of tea. It's sort of, well, all right, am I thirsty? Do I really want a cup of tea? Mm -hmm. So Um, exploring the habits. Yeah. Uh And what did you discover about the habits? Uh, Let's see. There was a lot of this sort of context, you know, here I am, therefore it's, this is the time to make a cup of tea. Um, Let's see. There was also a little bit more, um, I think, really being present for whatever it was I chose to drink, Mm -hmm. water or tea or Mm -hmm. or, uh, soda or something. I'm curious, did you find any social context around the drinking? Uh, Not really. Um, I did find once that I was, I'd been working intently at the computer for a couple hours in a row, and I really just wanted to get up and walk around, and that going and making a cup of tea was a good structure for doing that. Uh uh (laughs) Uh-huh, uh-huh. Fortunately, tea is pretty harmless. (laughs) Yeah, and and I don't usually put much sugar in it, if any, and yeah. Thank you. We have time probably for one or two more. Were you raising your hand or just stretching? (laughs) (laughs) No. So uh, I had a problem with um, dog shit. There's a dog, somebody letting their dog go in my yard. And it was really irritating me, and I, I decided to talk to my Zen, the Zen monk, about it. And I, and um, I said, I, well, actually, I sat in meditation, and then I went to him. I said, I finally figured out how to. I'm not going to be attached to dog shit. His response was, and don't be attached to no dog shit. <laughs> uh-huh. That was my response to that. It was humorous. So I think that. Um, this practice, you shouldn't be attached to mindfulness and don't be attached to no mindfulness. Yes. Because, and that's, just, that's like not being attached to awareness and no awareness and then remembering that that comes in. Right, right. I mean, if, we're, if there's reactivity to no awareness, there's attachment to no awareness. So that was, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> 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 yeah.
It's 8.56, according to my... Oh. Um, yeah, it would be good to have somebody new. Tomorrow, yes, yeah. Um, so I just want to say that um, my, I don't know if I want to say my challenge or um, something that um, I need to do is actually to do practice every day because when I do practice, um, and for the past two, three years that I've been coming to the center, um, I didn't come to this retreat that much, but i before this, I went to a Jokoji retreat for a few days, and that was really um, very nice. Um, it was a time for me to break away f- from everything, and um, and it was difficult for the first couple of days, but um, um, it just brings a much easier quality to my life. Um, I'm not caught by certain moods that, Perhaps some of them has hunted me for years. Um, and I could totally like, and one thing that has really helped me was um, opening myself to hearing. So when I sit, it's like I'm just being, um, just, you know, hearing, hearing's happening. And that mm-hmm. has really has helped. Um, and, yeah, let's see. Um, Can you think of, Something that would support you to sit every day. Or to practice every day. It doesn't have to be sitting. Um, I mean, maybe this sounds a little shallow, but maybe a nice, what do you call those things that you sit on? A cushion? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when you say something, I think that's that, but... um, Well, I mean conditions. Yeah, oh, conditions. Um... Just organizing my life time-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have all the motivation. If, I, if I'm not doing it, at least I'm thinking about it every day. Because I, I can see that um, how important it is. You know. So I'll make a suggestion for you. You might get yourself a cushion. <laughs> that might help. I don't know. But... Um, Put yourself into the meditation posture once a day. That's all you need to do. Just get yourself into the posture. Make a commitment to yourself to get into the posture once a day. And you don't have to stay there. Just just a commitment to get there. And see what happens. I mean, maybe you get there and you know, you know, I really do have to go... I have to go to work in five minutes, so I have to get up. But get yourself into the posture at least once a day. And sometimes when you do that, because actually a lot of the, the struggle for sitting regularly, uh, there's this, this term called launching effort, uh, the effort to get something initiated. And, and that's also, yeah, it's inertia. There's also, um, <clears throat> once you get over that hump, of the launching effort, sometimes you might find, oh, here I am. Actually, this feels pretty good. <laughs> Maybe I'll sit here for five minutes. So, so yeah, just, just see if you can get yourself into the posture. 
and get up if you need to. But just see if you can commit to that. That might, that might get you over that hurdle a little more often. <laughs> So we'll meet tomorrow at the day long, and um, the day long will be open <clears throat> to uh, to others coming in. But we will have a period in the afternoon where we meet as a group who've done the householder retreat um, to kind of just have a closing circle and acknowledgement of what we've done together. I like to, you know, formally, you know, bring the group together again and say, you know, this is this is this is the last time we'll be together. So, like this. Until next time. Yeah, Joel. Do you know approximately when that will be? Have we been an hour to when that meeting will be? Oh. oh, this is the wrong schedule. I think it will probably be around 2.30, something like that. Sometime between 2.30 and 3, something like that. You're welcome to come and go. Um, the instructions might not make as much sense than if you're present for the whole day because it does it, it does build on each other. But but you're welcome to drop in if you'd like. <laughs> so thank you all.